Welcome to the Space of the Waste, featuring host Melody Edmondson. Do you struggle with the right look to complement your body shape? Have you tried so many different looks and styles only to be disappointed time and again? You've landed on the right program. We'll show you how to make the right style work in your favor. Now, here is Melody Edmondson. Welcome to the Variety Channel. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Space of the Waste. I am your host, Melody Edmondson, and today we have a wonderful guest, Paula Cannon from the UK, designer, and we thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't, if you've missed a few episodes or if you're new to the Space of the Waste, please go to www.voiceamerica.com. And put in the space of the waste, W-A-I-S-T, and listen to the past episodes. I also am going to tell you where you can find the book that you might want to buy because it talks about your waist length and your body shape, which is a lot of what my show is about, primarily, <clears throat> design and clothing, waist length, body shape, and where to go to find what you need. Go to Amazon.com and purchase book one by author initial C, Melody, M-E-L-O-D-Y, Edmondson, E-D-M-O-N-D-S-O-N, the British spelling, and the guidebook is book one, your fashion guide based on body shape and the space of the waist. Um, If you want a visual, since we're an audio show, go to my Pinterest of the space of the waist and you will be able to find your short-waisted or long-waisted or balance-waisted boards once you know which you are. And I also have it by body shape if you prefer. And you will find that I do by heights, like 5'4 through 5'9 for your waist length. If you're balanced, it's 6.3 to 7 inches. If you're uh, 6, if you're under 6 inches, you would be short-waisted. And that's that space right between, right under your bra band in the front Uh, down to where your waist nips in, or if your waist doesn't nip in, it would be below your rib cage. And so if you're under six inches, you would be short-waisted, and if you're over seven inches, you would be long-waisted. Now, if you're a tall woman, five, nine, or over, balanced waist would be eight to nine inches in that space, and if you're under eight inches, you would be short-waisted, and you would be long-waisted if you're over nine inches. Then you shorter women uh, under five foot four, a balanced waist would be 4.3 inches to five inches. And a short waisted would be anything under four inches. And long waisted would be over five inches. Now I'm going to ask Paula to come on and chat with us. You can tell us a little bit about all of the businesses that you do and your school and everything that you're into at the moment. Hi, Melody. Thank you for having me on the show. I just wanted to just tell you a little bit about my business. My business is called Pen to Peg, and I am a designer that helps um, new brands develop garments, people who have a great idea for a business but know nothing about garments. Um, So I help them design and produce garments and specifications for manufacture. Um, I've spent probably 25 to 30 years working in the corporate clothing industry, which is quite a specialist industry. Um, And in doing that, I've designed garments for um, airlines, banks, trains, buses, uh, retailers. And you have to dress lots and lots of different people in all shapes and sizes, as you can imagine, because you're dressing people in garments from age 16, maybe to 60 plus in all shapes and sizes and all age groups. So therefore I come across lots of different um, problems over the years. So getting a uniform, for instance, to fit everybody and still look great on all sizes and all shapes. So you have to actually develop blocks 
that will um, adjust as you go up in size and adjust for height and adjust for um, robustness, to put it politely, and uh, still look great on um, everybody. So my experience in the corporate industry has helped me understand size and fit very much because you're not just dealing with female, you're dealing with male as well, you're dealing with um, all sorts of ethnic groups and, um, you know, different continents have completely different um, sizes and body shapes as well. For instance, like in Spain, the ladies are a lot smaller than the likes of Germany and Europe, where you get much, much taller people. So you get, as in your in your world, where you talk about the shape of the waist and where the waist falls, you'll understand that it's so much shorter in sort of the, the, the in Spain, for instance, where people in Europe buy from Zara a lot. And Zara is manufactured in Spain for women, but very, a lot of them are um, smaller ladies than what you would find in Northern Europe, where you've got much taller people in Germany, Holland and places like that. And if you look at their garment brands that they sell in retail, they're much, much they're much different. The blocks are much different. So understanding how retailers work in each country helps you understand how to design and get a great fit in uniforms. Yes. Explains what um, my background. Well, the just think about even Japan, you know, that fit is totally different also. And I know designers that do all over the world like you. Uh, have to do, even if you did the same thing, you would have to make it in so many different ways for all the different fits. Yeah, I mean, what people don't realize that when you go out to shop for your own clothes, you choose your favorite retailer and you get to know what is your favorite size and what is your favorite style. And usually those people repeat those blocks over and over again. But when you go out to Put, dress people who are buying in different stores so one lady thinks she's a size 12 in one store but in another store she might be a size 16 yes it gets very complicated when it comes to um fitting everybody because those stores have a target audience and an avatar so they know exactly who they're targeting and what their body shape is and what their what their age profile will be so they have they target those women or men and they make the blocks of the garments according to their target audience. And a lot when of people you, don't realize yeah, that. Yes. When you say block, do you mean the way they uh, make their particular sizes? They're 12, yes. they're 10. It's set kind of in stone with certain brands. Yes, absolutely. For instance, here in the UK, even in our very popular retailer, Marks and Spencers, they have three different blocks. They have a block for sort of um, the younger women. They have a block for the more mature woman. And then they've got a block for quite taller women. So even in one store alone, they target three. That's a department store. They've got okay. different targeted audiences. So, yes, they will make blocks so, mm-hmm. for instance, a Missy block, you might, some people might call it a Missy block, which yes. is, um, yeah. and that will be sort of for a younger audience, you know, for slimmer figure. Um, in fact, I worked a lot with a really great company called Alvanon, who create um, mannequins, and they create mannequins to a particular, um, be it a particular country or a size group and they work along with retailers and people like in the corporate wear industry to create these mannequins, full body mannequins, where um you can, when you're doing your first design garments and your samples, you try them on your ideal customer avatar and you've got it right there in the design room with you. Um, and that can vary hugely, you know, among among different companies. Yes. In the States, we do a modern sizing. It's called modern sizing for the uh, younger group. And then they do misses for the regular, like, I'll say over 50 and over, 45 and over or whatever. It's a fuller fit. And then they do do uh, large sizes or curvy sizes or plus sizes and talls. Uh, we still do petites, but <clears throat> I'm getting a lot of reports that 
it's not really satisfying a lot of the smaller, you know, women that are shorter because uh, they're not always short in the arms and short in the legs or short uh, the way the petites are made. I mean, this is my biggest complaint is somebody might be 5'3", but they have longer arms and longer legs and they might be short-waisted, you know, or yeah. long legs. It depends, but... Anyway, I'm hoping to get more and more people making, you know, shorter women clothing and as well as taller women clothing, even though I know a lot of designers make their clothes so long, the more expensive designers, let's say like Gucci and Tom Ford, YSL, uh, Chanel, make uh, their slacks much longer but I do think the tall market has growth that they can get into. It seems like everything's kind of going niche niche market anyway. So maybe it's a chance to get a shorter line and a taller line. And they're, of course, working um, massively on the curvy figure. Year, and everybody seems to be getting into that, but we still have overlooked and left out uh, our short-waisted women and our long-waisted women of regular height, as well as the taller ones and the shorter ones. So we still have many <laughs> dilemmas, but I think the scanner, the 3D scanner is going to help. What do you think? Absolutely. Um, I've done some work with a few companies testing out the 3D scanners and to see how they work. And there's no doubt that they will give, um, they're getting more and more accurate. In the beginning, when they came out, you know, it was mixed. Uh, I got mixed reaction from them. So yeah. I worked with Virgin Atlantic and we sized all the ladies there in uh, through a, a scanner that they stood in. Okay. And um, which give true sizes. So it gets it gets married up with, um, you know, a size chart in the cloud. And then they tell you what you actually are. But what it doesn't account for is how people like to wear their garments. So I could tell you you're the perfect size 12 according to my size chart. But you might actually like to wear your clothes really tight and like to wear a size 10. <laughs> so yeah. there's no, you can't account for that, especially in the very glamorous airline industry where they like to wear the, the clothes really quite tight fitting. Mm -hmm. um, so, and if you can imagine, if you measure the body, your um your if you measure your waist your actual garment is five centimeters bigger than your waist measurement to allow for movement and um, some people you know if you've got elastin in the waist or in the fabric you can go go for a smaller size so it really is the scanners are great but they're not a finite answer mm -hmm. they're great at getting rid of the measuring tape which is a great thing because people hate to use measuring tape yes and not only that, they can't use them very well, unfortunately. Right. So and they don't like to. They don't like to. No, they don't like to. And they often use them the wrong way around from the wrong end and get the wrong measurements. So that's really <laughs> difficult. Um, so the thing, I think if uh, these 3D scanners, you know, get, as they get more and more accurate, I honestly think is the way mm -hmm. forward for measuring. So with one um, company I worked with, 3D Look, they, uh, you could get a full body size of body measurements from two photographs. So you That's took two good. photographs in very close fitting clothes and it really did work. So mm -hmm. I do believe that's the way of the future. Yeah. I spoke to Big Thinks also and they, um, Elisabetta and Ginny, and they said uh, they're also doing the 3D scanner and um of course, they're into the entire metaverse, everything, but they are going to incorporate my waist links into theirs. So I am very thrilled about that. In fact, they have that now. So I'm excited about that um, because it'll be they save data. So it'll be important to see uh, what they sell by their sizes from their scanners and their waist links and everything else. I'm just really, really look. That's what many aren't keeping the data and that's what's going to be hard for me because being from retail the numbers don't lie so we need to see what is working from that and what it's helping and how it's helping the returns and everything else as you know uh, the returns are horrendous approaching what 
eight trillion or whatever. I mean, there's so much going on in returns, but business right now is a tad slow, but I'm expecting it to move up with all the, you know, stores and uh, online and the excitement that's coming into the industry. So I'm hoping it will pick up for everybody and air travel seems to be resuming and picking up. So they're going to need those fabulous uniforms. Uh, Tell me uh, a little bit more about your businesses, because I know you have a school where you have, you know, helped people learn about things as well, about the fashion industry and how to sew and how to make garments according to uh, your best sizing. Yes, well, during the pandemic, when nobody needed very much uh, uniforms and didn't need yeah. a uniform designer, I, I took a course and I developed a, a program um, called Table to Label, um, which to help people who had a great idea for a garment, but no idea how to create it. And what I did was uh, taught people from how to start a brand, how to... Um, how to find their ideal audience, um, how to create a following online before they even develop their creations. but uh, And then to get the people who signed up to maybe their Instagram or their Facebook um, to trial the products um, before they went to market with them. So it's, it's a different way to approach, um, I suppose, it's a, it's, a, it's a sustainable way to approach um, designing garments because you're designing with the actual wearers, with your actual potential customer, and you're asking them to try it. And through trial and error, you get to make that product better and you get to grow your audience before the product's even gone to market. So it's been great for small industries and helping people um, get an idea off the ground. I've worked with a few quite strange industries i've worked with women in professional horse racing to develop garments for them because oh um, yeah because they've been wearing men's garments a lot they've been wearing men's breeches and riding uh, gear so we've created a whole new range for for women for wonderful uh, and um also i've worked with a company uh called crafter collection who've just launched uh workwear for women so it's for women in work trades like electricians or um, builders, uh, woodworkers. We even had a Lady Thatcher who did thatched houses, who trialed our garments. So that's just launched uh, last year and they've just launched a small business with three products only. Mm-hmm. And they've been, and the product was developed with um, Cordura for longevity and strength in the fabric. Corduroy? Um, also, sorry, corduroy. You said no cordura. They're like a brand. They do. Um, if you look them up, they're um, a really great brand of fiber. They're fiber uh, producer, and they produce a really high end fiber that is used a lot in mountaineering and things like that. But oh, okay, brand. But what we did was we developed a very nice fabric that had stretch and had cordura for strength. So it doesn't tear and it doesn't, uh, it's really high abrasion. Um, And uh, we've developed it into the trousers and products, not just trousers, waistcoats and other products for for women in workwear. So they were finding typical polycotton twill fabrics that you get a lot in like workwear trousers. They were finding them too uncomfortable, um, too heavy. And uh, really not suitable for working in all year round. We also put a nanotechnology finish on the fabric, which made makes it uh, stain resist and the water just runs off it. And so if they're out in a shower, it protects them as well. So it was a great little um, project and um, the first of very many, many more product products that will be developed for the collection. Wonderful. I think that's great. I'm thinking that could be a cute little fashion line. <laughs> you know, that the utilitarian wear is doing really well with all these, you know, patch pockets and all of that coming up again. All of the big Yeah, there's uh, a real revival in 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 the chore jacket, for instance, and cargo pockets and yeah. safari looks and 
pockets, mm-hmm. pockets everywhere and done in a different way, you know, like adding pockets, lots of places you might not expect. I've seen a lot of that. That's something I get a lot in the uniform industry because uh, a lot of the women say, why don't we get enough pockets in our trousers? Men get loads of pockets and we don't. Why don't we have inside pockets in our jackets? So when I do a uniform, I try and offer, you know, we don't want people stuffing pockets and letting their garments look out of shape, but you still want to be practical. So we do offer like inside pockets and that are hidden and little details that, you know, really mean a lot to the wearer because, you know, in this day and age, you've got to consider, you know, comfort and practicality. um, Yes. And it's all about, it's all about co-designing, I think, with the wearers as well, asking them exactly what they want. It's something a lot of retailers, they just don't do. They, they, they design and then they, they market the garment, but, uh, and don't ever really get to know what their um, target audience thinks of it. So mm-hmm. it's really important to do that and really more important now to do it bef- in the, when you're doing the, the design process through the design process as opposed to later on. Yes, I agree. I think it really helps the co-design model is, uh, is really, really works. It works especially yeah. in, the, in the uniform and corporate wear industry. Yeah, I would think so. What do you think going forward um, into uh, 2023 and onward, do you see any, any specific looks or particular shapes or um, for your uniform type looks? I mean, do you think, uh, you know, they're going with all of this oversized uh, merchandise, but I, I would think on an airline or even um, private jets or airlines, that could get in the way having something too baggy. Yeah, it would never work um, because health and safety, you know, you, you've got to, your uniform has to pass health and safety, especially in the airline. Well, in every every industry, they'll have health and safety officers who will uh, give you some guidelines as you're designing as to, you know, any hazards or trip hazards or, you know, straps mm-hmm. that might get caught. And, you know, so you've got to be very mindful of that for sure. Yeah, um, so, so definitely oversized doesn't really work for the the uniform industry, um, you've got to be, you know, even, you know, you're looking at people who are serving in hotels and restaurants, you, you can't really have ties that dangle down. They usually no. attach somehow to the or shirt. And sleeves that hang down too much. It doesn't work out. I think a lot of it is just to walk out the door, go to a movie and go home is different or to go to a party or go out and hang with your friends. But as far as even eating, going out to dinner, it's a little bit difficult. And I would certainly see how that would not play into your uniforms. But what do you think is something that you will do that is something a little different that you haven't done in terms of skirts or pants or trousers, uh, jackets? Uh, Is there something that you're doing that you think is different that you haven't done for a while well the biggest um i suppose the biggest uh, movement is towards comfort and uh, fabrics with stretch elastane in but ponte in uniforms is really making quite a you know it's really quite good because i think these people have to wear the uniforms for maybe 18 months and they go up and down in size during that 18 months little tricks of the trade will be things like adjustable waistbands um, you know, there's there's one pair, there's one, you know, elastics hidden and not not obvious elastic, but elastics hidden in the design of the trousers or skirts in the waistband. So adjusters like that really help um, yeah. not only help um, for comfort, but for, mm-hmm. you know, the longevity of that garment. So making it more sustainable. So it's they're able to wear it all year round. Yes. Um, a lot of the people at the moment, I'm working on a cruise ship. And, uh, you know, when the when the staff go on the cruise ship, they might be one size, but six months down the line after they're <laughs> eating really, really well, they might be another size. So that's right. something that you have to bear in mind um, and um, account for, you know, um, because it's easier to have an adjustable waist than have to get a brand new pair of trousers or a new skirt, for instance. You bet. Um, 
So there, there's lots of new things in terms of fabric. Um, you know, the new fabrics. People uh, talk about sustainability and talk about using things like pet polyester uh, and things like that, like um, garments made with polyester from plastic bottles. And that's something I've been doing for over 10 years now. But um, it seems like that there might be a problem with that in the future because it seems that there may be a... Um, a, a a shortage of plastic bottles for recycling because they're going into other things now, not just to fiber, not just to be made into fiber. So um, there are other things. I think people have to look at um, making the garments, like paying a little bit more for their garments, making the buying garments that are going to last longer. And um, be sustainable. Be yeah, sustainable. That, that do biodegrade because that's something even with the plastic, they found that some of it that they've used in fabric, I heard from Marcy Zaroff that it doesn't biodegrade. And then they've got still got the problem after the math unless the fabric has been used like in retaining walls for home builders or airports that they're using a lot of the polyester clothes as insulation instead or something like that or filler in these um, uh, breakaway units. And But I do think they are developing more sustainable. I have heard that they're making new fibers all the time from rose petals uh, so that the, don't use so many silkworms at making silk from rose petals. And there's another flower they're using, and I heard. And then there's a new kind of pl- where they're developing in the chemistry lab something like polyester, but it doesn't have the petroleum and it doesn't have the polymide or any of that. That will hopefully... Uh, be the wash and wear and the ease that people have come to demand. I mean, that's the problem with stretch and with wash and wear. People don't like want to iron and send, they can't afford the dry cleaning costs. So I'm so excited to know about your Ponte because I've been hearing about that so much. Firstly, from, from a woman that actually was living in Oklahoma that was doing everything in Peru for babies wear. Uh, Her McKenzie is her name. I think that's her last name, McKenzie. And she was doing all kinds of things for children's clothes in this beautiful cottons, Pima and other cottons from Peru. But then I heard from Mike Dees who was uh, president of Joan Voss for many years, just retired and moved to Savannah. And he was telling me that he, every, you know, all the guys in New York were wearing ponty knit navy blue jackets with their jeans and going out with like a nice crisp shirt underneath or even a polo shirt with the driving shoes. And so he bought himself several. I talked my husband into buying a bunch of ponty jackets And then I bought some, and I'm telling you, that Ponte knit is just absolutely fabulous for jackets. And you can move in it, you know, you can still move around, drive, it can be casual. You can make it a little dressier, but it's also kind of casual. So if you are retired and you want to wear your jeans and your driving shoes and like a white polo t-shirt and the jacket, you can do that. So I'm I'm I like it because I tend to overdress and so I don't like my husband wearing his shorts and polo t-shirt everywhere even though he could everywhere in Tucson they do but uh I kind of overdress so I like the idea that he could just throw the jacket on and still have his jeans on still have his polo shirt so I'm excited yeah, about, about the great thing about the ponte jacket yeah. is that you it takes, um, you don't have all the lining, et cetera, inside all the, uh, so it's a lot cheaper to make them and they're a lot easier to care for. So you can actually put them in the washing machine. It's not a jacket that needs to be dry cleaned. Right. So, uh, and it's really comfortable. So it's got that bit of stretch, quite a lot of stretch in it, in fact. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine as a uniform, you, you get yes. a, a structured tailor jacket is really quite difficult to work in. Uh, you know, if you you feel really restricted in the in this tight mm-hmm. yes. long tailor jacket, 
although in some instances it does look great you know you yeah, know you're a man or you know in a hotel or you know the head waiter in a in a restaurant so mm-hmm. i think there's a pl- place a time and a place for all sorts of jackets but definitely there is a lean towards a more casual look in in some areas of uniform where definitely they are looking for more jeans they're wearing jeans now or jeggings um uh so it's a a move away from you a massive move away from poly wools in terms of suiting um into poly viscoses probably uh even polyester suits for men which we thought we'd never see, but uh, there are great versions out there of polyesters that imitate poly wools, do you believe? Mm-hmm. And of mm-hmm. course, the great thing about polyester is it's washable and non-iron. As you said, yeah. people don't like to iron. So the thing is, there's something out there for everyone and every budget, and that's what you've got to think about. Not yes. everybody has the budget that's for right. a beautiful wool suit, you know? Yeah. So, and for four formal occasions, I think that's a place for the very structured, uh, fitted men's suits and, and even women's jackets. I mean, I think the more formal the occasion, uh, even weddings that you go to or bar mitzvahs or christenings, or it, there are lots of places that require a little bit more posh little bit more polish but on a day-to-day basis the world has gotten pretty casual <laughs> wouldn't you agree um yeah i guess it depends where you hang out or you know where you go but definitely there's uh, at the moment here in the uk there's a lot of people um wearing um the new hoodie or what they call it um it's like a massive oversized hoodie uh, and things like that just just to keep warm in this you know mm-hmm. in the winter um, so there's, it's a real mix, really. Yes. And it, you know, it's, I think there's just a lot more out there, a lot more choice. Yes. Um, and a lot more um, variety. One of the big things, the big, uh, uh, that was announced recently here was that Virgin Atlantic were offering um, uh, non-gender uniforms. So the oh. men could wear the ladies and the ladies could wear the men's. Ah. Huh. Yeah, that's a big thing that's happened recently. And um I think, as far as I know, um, British Airways has followed suit as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, they 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 uh, have decided to to um, calm down as well on their. Um, they have like a code of code of dress, like a book full of um, rules and regulations, and they've taken a lot of things out out of there. Like tattoos had to be covered and. So they're allowing a lot more individuality in the workplace. And that's really Mm. interesting going forward for the future. You know, they're going to have open toe shoes. I don't think they'll have that because the reason they have closed toe shoes is because of the trolleys. They have to have, uh, they have to flick up and down, you know, the brake on the trolley. They can't have open toed shoes and they can't have shoes above a certain height for ladies. So, um, because because danger <laughs> yeah well it's oil they have to be oil resist soles for yeah. tarmac and that yes and then on board sometimes they change them when they go into the airport but on the concourse but generally on board they have to wear no more than one inch heels i um, thought okay i maybe i misunderstood i thought you said uh note that toes did you say ties no 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 open-toed shoes no okay i meant before when i got on that subject i thought you'd said they no longer have to cover their ties toes no their tattoos they They can show their tattoos okay that's quite a bit different than toes so i'm glad i clarified (laughs) that for my listeners i have to get my irish English game on. <laughs> well, <clears throat> what about like, do you ever do costumes or outfits like for Olympics or group sports? I mean, I'm sure you'd be great at it. Soccer, uh, costumes like that, or Olympics, Olympian outfits, or groups that are in the Olympics, tennis players, volleyball, that kind of. Um, well, I did get involved in um uh, uniforms for Belize uh, some years ago, and um, some we made some beautiful um, 
blazers. They were like a college style blazer with boater hats and stuff. And it looked really oh, good. cute. It was really cute. And um, <clears throat> I worked along with a um, designer in the UK here called um, Jeff Banks, who's quite yes. well known in London. Yes. And um, worked with him on that particular uniform. So sometimes oh. I uh, work with designers, with name designers, because although they have a really great idea, they don't always know how to put it into a practical use for uniform. You know, yeah. um, like I worked with Vivian Westwood and her team to create the Virgin Atlantic uniform. Mm-hmm. And we had to make her vision into reality that would work for uniforms and for all body shapes. Yes. So that's always quite a challenge because the designer is used to using luxurious cloths and all that. Not that the cloths for uniform aren't luxurious, but there is a budget and a limit you can go to if you're creating a uniform. So you've got to find work hard to get a nice compromise between the two. I think that I can see how... Both genders, if you're a rectangle body shape or an inverted triangle body shape, I can see how, or even a square, I think all of those could could wear, you know, either men or women. But the triangle body shape, which is almost like the hourglass, only a little narrower shoulders and wider hips and buttocks, and the hourglass, I don't think that's going to be so either gender, I think there's going to, you know, but I, you could always do, you know, the curvier girls, um, you know, I don't know, there might be some curvy men out there, I don't know, <laughs> but I think uh, the rectangle body shape, particularly the tall, you know, same shoulders, waist and hips, about the same, almost like a man, except for the bust line, and ditto with the inverted triangle, because they usually don't have a very big butt or flatter butt and but again they have boobs but their shoulders are wider usually than their hips so I can see how that could be a man's body as well but I don't see I'm not sure about some of the more curvy ones if that would be a duplicate with I think the main thing is that your people are offering choice individuals choice now I think a and giving people the the choice to wear something different or something that they prefer to wear. In fact, in the a lot of the um, travel industry, train drivers, bus drivers, people in those sort of areas, the women prefer, some of the women prefer to wear men's garments. Uh, and that's been happening for a long, long time. But uh, I think it's just giving everybody a bit more freedom of choice. Um, and I think that's what the world is demanding now, that people, you know, People are more open to that now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, <clears throat> that's the way it's going in the UK corporate wear industry anyway. Um, mm-hmm. People are definitely being much more open and um, willing to let people show their individual individual flair, if you yes. like. Yeah. And it might save, might be somewhat sustainable for saving on some of the patterns being made and soft patterns, hard patterns, and everything that has to be made if you doubled up on some figure types, you know, like rectangle, inverted, and square or something. Those could be like for either sex. Tell me about color. What are you thinking about color and in in your uniforms and and in your other businesses? Well, color for uniform is very... Um, it's you don't get a lot of choice put it like that because you when you work with the brand they have a brand color and you're more or less tied to using their brand colors now sometimes you'll come across a company that has a brand color that's very strong and and you're able to to maybe um pick something that complements it but generally speaking in the majority of cases where I work with a brand they want to use their brand colors whether they use it as a main color or a highlight color so if you look at there's a real um, budget airline here in the UK called EasyJet and their color is orange which is quite a difficult color to wear but when I was designing the uniform for them we used orange as a highlight against the lovely charcoal gray um, which you know, worked really nicely because using a full garment in orange just was just too much and didn't suit everybody's skin color and um, 
you know, it just it just gave a sort of orange has a sort of a cheap connotation anyway. The color orange is like got although they're showing a they're yeah. showing a lot of it for twenty three and twenty four, but but some yeah. is more more of an apricot in twenty four. Yeah, it depends on the shade. Quite yeah, a bit really of or, yeah. orange shades for uh, next year, but it yeah, you're right. It all depends on the skin tone. Yeah, I mean, in the sh- stores now in the UK, we have so much green and bright pink. It's crazy in the stores, in the retail stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in in the corporate wear, you know, industry, we get very excited if we get away from navy and gray and black. <laughs> you know, we get very excited if we actually get a nice color to work with, which sounds <laughs> you, a bit sad, but it's true. Uh, yeah, like a burgundy or a hunter green or a new kind of blue-gray, maybe. I think some of those colors like uh, blue-gray and green-gray, some of the colors that a lot of people are using in their homes, you know, for wall paint. Uh, I had a friend who got a Pantone color spread because she was going to paint her whole house different colors in the inside, and she wanted them all kind of similar, but not exactly the same. And so there are all of these different kinds of greeny, khaki, greeny, uh, sage, more of a blue to it, more of a gray to it, more of a brown to it, more of a yellow to it, and all different kinds of shades of what we normally would think of as a neutral. And it is a way, particularly with the different Sun in the morning, sun in the afternoon, you know, sundown. They kind of change the way they look throughout the day. And I I know that's true of every color, but that's something that you have to think about when you're painting your walls in your house, because what might look good in the morning might not look good at night. And what looked good in the day might be too dark at night. And I think that with like uniforms, maybe some of those in-between colors could work. You know, depending on, again, all the other variables you have to think about. But I do think color is becoming pretty important from what I'm hearing uh, out there. But I know you have a particular case uh, with uniforms because they have to last longer and season after season, you know, and many, many, many multiple wearings. So it's kind of a whole nother uh, concept there. Is there any other thing that you would love to talk about, uh, Paula? Because we do have uh, another probably almost 20 minutes, and I want to talk about what you would like to talk about. Is there anything surprising, or what about what do you think of the metaverse? I've been talking to people about that, and I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't even know how to get into one, but I'm having a lot of people. I actually have someone calling me on the 28th to better educate me (laughs) because it's an arena that I don't know anything about, but is that something you're going to make outfits for avatars or you're going to get into all that or not? Um, I don't know. 3D design is something that's really, you know, designing in 3D is definitely um, something for the future, but it's not something I'm, uh, I've done myself um, designing for avatars. It's a whole new thing. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing in UK at the minute is designing and creating in TikTok and things like that. Yes. So um, to be honest, I haven't ventured there myself, but uh, you know, I think you do good with your accent. People would love you and your fiery red hair, beautiful skin. I think you do great. I think, I think as well, I think you got to choose your, your platform. Yeah. You know, and you That's know, my true. platform is business, business to business. So yes. my biggest platform to speak to my ideal customer is on LinkedIn. Yes, it's where I, it's where I have my most um, success in business and yeah. uh, contacts. Yeah, can't be yeah. everywhere all the time. You know, no, I mean. I did a, a social media managing managers course where I I uh, learned all the ins and outs of everything from Twitter to Instagram, Facebook for business, and um, you know Pinterest for business. And you know I love I loved learning all of that. But you know you could spend so much time just uh, feeding all those platforms and doing no work. So that's right. You've got LinkedIn is going to be your place anyway, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. You've got to choose. I mean, I use Pinterest a lot, but mostly for research, design research. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, I also put out a lot of educational things on there for Mm -hmm. people learning, um, you know, how to design for the first time or how to illustrate. Mm -hmm. But uh, most, like I say, my most regular posting place would be LinkedIn, where obviously, like I say, it's business to business. It's where I find my clients. And they find me, which is great. And uh, and you know, it's it, you'd be amazed at the amount of people who would, you know, have like a, a business but don't have a creative to help them design. So yes, uh, and they might be selling. It could be anything. It could be I'm working for one company, and the day they I'm designing marine industry uh, coveralls for oh. people who work on cruise ships and. Uh, on ships generally. Yes, so, yeah, yeah. You no, know, it just, uh, and also the, today I've been working on a um, U-Bax, which is an under an undergarment for wearing under body armor. Oh my gosh. So that's for a... Uh, fencing? Fencing? No, no, it's for uh, um, army. Uh, army? Mm. Oh, wow. So you can imagine one day I'm working on an airline and a cruise ship and the next minute I'm working on a... Underwear. <laughs> underwear, yeah. So, you know, but if you're a good designer, you can design lots of different things. Absolutely. So, and, you know, and it's really exciting to try new things. Like one of the, because I've been doing some stuff for this army, uh, they've also asked me to help them redesign their rucksack, which is used, it's called a jump sack when they jump out of airplanes and helicopters. Yes. And um, yeah. it, it's kind of attached to, it, it's not attached to the garments, but it has to, it has to be designed with the body armor in mind as well. So, so it can lock, lie on the back a certain way. Well, actually when they jump, it goes on their back when they're running around, but when they're jumping out of a plane, it goes around their legs and they've got to kick it off like 300 meters before they touch the ground. Otherwise they'd break their legs apparently. <laughs> so, and then there's like a quick release um, mechanism and things like that. So these are all. Wow. Who knew? Yeah, I know it's really quite new to me, but very exciting to work on. Yes. Um, so, you know, one day, like I say, one day it's a corporate uniforms and the next day, it's something like rucksack. <laughs> rucksack. <laughs> Quick release rucksack. rucksack. Yeah, rucksack. So, um, yeah, so it's, uh, I think, yeah, you just got to know, you got to know your, um, you know, your platform. So, I think I found mine on LinkedIn and that's good. And it continues yeah. to help me get work through there. Yeah. And, and I love networking. Now we're back in the real world networking. Uh, networking events are brilliant for me for mm-hmm. meeting people with great ideas, but that need that bit of help um, get yeah. them off the ground. You bet. Yeah. So uh, never a dull moment. Yes, it sounds very exciting. You have lots of things going on and, and lots of avenues. And I thank you for that. It just shows that you're really an expert and you really do know about the technical technicalities of design and what really works for wearability and keeping a garment together for, for uh, maximum use and also looking great on the body. I mean, you've kind of got it all covered. And Yeah, I, I think pe- what people don't want is, you know, uniforms of the past were classic suits. People want something more, whether it's the way it's embellished. They don't just want like a, an embroidery or a print. Now they're looking at 3D badging and things like that. So how can we make those garments look really trendy and desirable and things that people will love to wear? You know, that's, yeah. you know, you don't want people to have to wear something day in, day out and they hate it. You want them to love what they wear. And that's my aim really is to make sure as many people as possible love what I design and that's why I do the a lot of co-design with companies and and with um, wearer groups just to get make sure what I'm putting out there is going to be it's never you never get 100% but you're lucky if you get like 90% of people liking what you do so oh I'm sure you get 99.9% liking <laughs> what you do that's what you aim uh, for anyway I think so well it has been wonderful having you on the show today We only have a few minutes left, but I want to thank you time and time again. And if you will give your your link, 
uh, where people can get a hold of you. I know I have it on your page, but uh, pin to peg, give them your um, website and how that people can get in touch with you. Yes, yeah, sure. Um, so my website is www.pentypeg.com. <coughs> I'm going to cough now. Pentypeg.com. And all my details are on there for if anybody wants to contact me with um, an idea or please do get in touch. Yes. Pentypeg. P-E-N-2-P-E-G. There you go. It's simple and kind of a tongue twister, but <laughs> thank you again so much, Paula. I always love having you on the show. I'm blessed to have had you two times, and I even did a, a rerun of your show and uh, g- getting lots and lots of interest in what you do, Paula. So you will continue to be one of my favorites, and you always have something going on. You're really innovative. Thank you so much for coming on today. And the best to you, and happy Thanksgiving, and the best to you for the holidays. Thank you, Melody. I'm lovely to speak to you. Great to speak to you. I always love it. And this is Melody Edmondson signing off from the Space of the Waste and visit it again next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to The Space of the Waste. Please join host Melody Edmondson again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next time. Melody Edmondson has created a book series available on Amazon.com. The Space of the Waste series is comprised of a body shape by a waist length and will have all the information you need to dress and accessorize beautifully. You choose yours after first buying book one, The Guidebook, your fashion guide based on body shape and the space of the waist. This is a new method of determining your body shape and your waist length termed the space of the waist.